and getting fat. All right, Psalm chapter 90. Open up your Bibles to Psalm chapter 90. We started this series last week called Artifacts, or two weeks ago. We weren't at church last week. Um, So this is going to be week two, Artifacts. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 90. Essentially, we're looking at Old Testament scripture and applying the Word of God to our lives. All right, so not all Old Testament scripture um, is irrelevant. A lot of times we think that, but it's not true. It's very relevant in our lives. Um, Okay, listen, I wrote this down. There are three types of people in the world. Number one, and I did this because we just drank a whole bowl full of milk and cookies. Some of them, some of you did. First, the first kind of people in the world are the ones who look at the date on the carton of milk and immediately toss it. I promise that milk just now is good. I bought it today. Okay? Raise your hand if that's you. You look at the date and it's like, ah, that's within the next week. I'm throwing it away. (laughs) Number two, the second are the ones that look at the date, they look at the milk, They smell the milk to verify that the date is okay. Right? So so maybe the date was yesterday. And you're like, "Mm." then there's third people. Those are the people that don't care. (laughs) They just go for it. How many of you ever opened up some chunky milk? (laughs) Oh, it's rough, man. And you chugged it? Oh. See, Brandy's not either of these three. She's kind of number two, except here's the thing. She looks at me and says, Chris, smell this. All the time. Hey, Chris, smell this. Does it smell okay? It smells like milk, you know? It's as if um, I admit nothing more uh, than like to spank my kids and to be a test dummy for milk, whether or not a milk is good, right? That's, that's mine and Jed's purpose in life. We wear dad shoes and we spank our kids and we taste bad milk. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I tell you that. I, I explain that to you to say this. We as people are trained to understand that everything in our lives have an expiration date, right? Shh. Listen, everything in our lives, everything that you do, everything that you go through, everything that you come in contact with has an expiration date. We know that. We understand that. The other day, Carson got an orange out of our pantry, and the orange had like white fuzzy stuff, and he was like, look, Daddy, how soft. I said, throw that away. Like, don't eat that. That's bad. It's expired, right? Um, bananas. Listen, bananas go bad like really fast. I like the bananas that are like almost green. You know what I'm saying? Uh, some people like them really mushy. That's not me. That's not my thing. But they expire really fast. Cars. Listen, teenagers know what I'm talking about. Most of you are not going to get like a brand new car. Most of you are thinking my car that I drive is past its expiration date. Right? That was me in high school. That's okay. That's part of life. That's how it goes. 
What about friendships? Unfortunately, like it or not, your friendships that you have right now, most of them will have an expiration date. And and, uh, just to let you know, that expiration date happens to most likely be your graduation date. Right? Some of you won't. Some of you will stay close. Some of you won't. People have an expiration date. Like, I don't care who you are, I don't care what color you are, I don't care if you're male or female, young or old, one day your life is going to expire. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just a fact of life. But according to Scripture, there's one constant that stays the same, and it never expires. And in Psalm chapter 90, we find Moses praying to God. And we learn what that constant is. We learn the one thing in our lives, the one thing in our world that's never going to expire in Psalm chapter 90. And we see Moses praying to God and declaring his goodness and begging God for mercy towards his people. Right? So here we go. Psalm 90, verse 1. Listen, I was doing my notes for this message. We're going through verse 12, and I realized I had an issue when I was on my third page of notes, and I had only covered verses 1 and 2. So get comfortable. You're like, <sighs> Psalm chapter 90, verse 1. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time together, God. I thank you for your word, God. I thank you for being everlasting. I thank you for being our dwelling place. And, and God, I pray that as we expound on the scripture, God, that you would just speak to our hearts, that you would just pierce our hearts with your word, God, and that we would apply it to our lives and we grow closer to you through it. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. All right. So if, you're, if you've got your own Bible and you've got a pen or a highlighter, I want you to highlight or underline those two words, dwelling place, because that's really important. I've got this written down in my Bible. Moses right here, he's declaring praise for God's eternality. Like he, he's praising God because of who God is and, and what God is, right? Look at this. It says, and you have been our dwelling place in all generations. You see, Moses says that God is our dwelling place. In other words, this means that God is our sanctuary. God is a place, get this, God is a place, this is what Moses is telling us, he's a place of comfort. Like that's what he means whenever he says, God, you are my dwelling place. He's saying, God, I feel comfortable with you. God, when I'm in your presence, I'm I'm at complete peace. God, when I'm uh, with you one-on-one and, and no other distraction, God, God, I feel joy in my heart. I feel happiness. I'm comfortable in you. Look what it says. And you have been our comfort place in all generations. So get this, get this. Before we get too deep into this scripture, um, understand that it doesn't matter how old you are, even though, listen, I know it seems old and, um, you know, 
dorky and maybe nerdy and white dad-ish to, to think about sitting down and praying all the time and reading your Bible and things like that. But listen, in Scripture, according to Moses, that's when we find comfort in all generations. In other words, no matter how old you are, right? Like, I remember when Carson was little, I used to go in, in his room and, and I would pray with him, right? And, and I, I remember uh, those times that I would go in there and pray. And I mean, he was a little bitty dude. He wouldn't even like sleep in his bed. He would squirm around. If you woke him up, he was immediately like running in our room and sleeping in our bed. But I remember I could always go in there and lay my hand on him and pray. And it would never, it never once woke him up. I swear to you. And I believe that's because, like this scripture, that's our comfort place. Even Carson, as a, as a little baby, that's his comfort place in all generations. So it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. God is a place that we can find comfort. But let's look at a couple areas in our life that we find comfort in God. Number one, God is our sanctuary for protection. How many of you agree that life can be scary sometimes? Yeah. Like, life is scary sometimes. Like, I'm not talking about, like, the movie It's scary. You know what I'm saying? Like, life is, is scary because you don't necessarily know what's going to happen all the time in your life. Right? Like, for example, um, some of you, you could possibly lose someone that you really love, someone that's really close to you, and you don't know what you're going to do with that. And, and that's scary. Some of you, man, like, like your parents are going through trouble and your parents are, are struggling with, with a divorce or maybe they've gone through a divorce and, and, and you don't really know what's going to happen. Do I live with dad? Do I live with mom? How do, I, how do I work this out, man? Man, that's scary. See, life is scary sometimes. But according to Moses right here, um, God is our comfort place for protection, Get this, when we go places unfamiliar to Emerson, um, she really gets freaked out. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter who you are. If we are somewhere that she's not used to, I don't care how well she knows you, she's not going to, she's going to shut down. Right? Yeah. Amber legit held Emerson during Rihanna's game last night for about 10 minutes, and all Emerson did was this. I mean, it was creepy. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Right? Like she gets scared. Like, like when we go places unfamiliar, and, and like I have fun with it sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like you're shopping in Target and she's kind of walking around and she's got kind of brave, and all of a sudden, like you, you decide to have a good time with her. So you jump on the other side of like the clothes rack. Is that mean? Wrong of me? Just long enough for her to kind of panic a little bit. And then I come and rescue her. And it's just a reminder that she needs her daddy, right? I'm going to always continue to remember her, um, to remind her that she needs her daddy. But, but see, here's the thing. Um, it's an unknown to her. I don't really do that for the record. I made that up. <laughs> Jed's like, I've done that. <laughs> see, here's the thing. A lot of you are coming into a lot of unknowns in your life. Right? Like, like for example, um, making college decisions. Like, some of you are having to make decisions. Like, what school do I want to go to? And then whenever you get there, there's more decisions. What do I want to major in? 
And then what do I want to do after that? What kind of internship do I want to do? What kind of job do I want to get? What kind of this? What do I need to do about this? Like, like some of you are making new friends at new places or in new classes. Right? Some of you just went from 8th grade to ninth grade. And whether you admit it or not, that can be kind of scary. Right? Because, because you're meeting new people, you're, you're making new contacts, becoming, listen, becoming a starter on, on a team. Like maybe you're new to the school and, and you want to, to play and, and you're unsure about this. You're not very confident in your abilities. And that's scary, right? Like something that um, I'm at, uh, that automatically comes to mind is... Um, and I don't know all this terminology. All I know is it's like flips and spins and doodads. But, but Callie, she's been working really hard, and she did her full, right? Is that right? Yeah. I imagine that's pretty hard. When I look at it, it looks pretty tough. I don't imagine that that would end well if I tried that, but that could be pretty scary, right? When you're, you're young and you're like, I don't know if I can do this, but I'm going to try. Like a lot of aspects in your life can be kind of scary. Going through life after losing someone close to you. Listen, I know, I get it. When, when my Meemaw passed away, man, that was scary. That was hard. Like some of you have experienced that and, and you don't know where to go. And, and here's what I would say to you, um, that Moses reminds us that when we find comfort in God's protection in our lives, it helps carry us through those scary times. It, comes, it helps us uh, to walk through those uncertain areas in our life. You see, because God is a sanctuary for our protection. But then number two, God is a sanctuary for our sustenance. Right? Like in other words, God's going to give you what you need to live. Check this out, Matthew chapter 6, and I've got that back there. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 through 33. This is Jesus talking. Listen to what Jesus says. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For the heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Like, get this. Jesus says, do not worry, man. Like, you guys are so caught up in, in this thing or that thing, and, and just stop worrying. Like, don't you think that God, your heavenly Father that saved you, that made a plan for your life, knows what you need? Like, we typically get so caught up in getting materialistic things that we forget to glorify God for what we have. Like, I believe this text is so crucial for your generation. Listen, because you guys struggle with this, okay? Like, my generation struggles. Um, we, I think our generation was the first to kind of take this on and struggle with this materialistic overload, <laughs> right? And I think it's bled into your culture, like, way heavier than ours, See, get this. Like, for example, for example, Jesus tells us in Matthew that this stuff is not important, but if you seek his kingdom, God's going to bless you. So, so, for example, whenever I'm, uh, I want Tennessee stuff, right? 
Like, here's, here's where my, my snob comes out, <laughs> right? Like, if I want Tennessee stuff, I want Nike stuff. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else? Yeah. Like, like give me some Nike stuff. Don't give me that off-brand crap, right? And then, and then it, always, it always happens like a grandfather or a grandmother brings out the weird, you know, brand that no one likes. It's not even the right color orange, you know what I'm saying? And, and you can't help it. You get that disgusted look on your face because you don't really like whatever it is they gave you. It's like some, some of those roller shoes, but you're 18 and you're like, come on, man. And you open it and you should be grateful, but you, you can't help it because you open it and you're like right? Like, like we all do that. You laugh because you've done that. You've been there. You can't help it, right? I, I get so caught up in that stuff because I don't like it. Um, but listen, God says if you seek his kingdom first, God will bless you. If you seek his righteousness, God will bless you. What does that look like? Instead of asking yourself, I wonder how he or she can help me today, um, you, you ask yourself, how can I be a difference maker in them? Whenever you're looking at that friend and you're looking at that person that you're only friends with, you don't actually like that person, but they get you a certain social status in class. They get you a certain social status level in your school so you remain friends with them, and and that's only because they can get you somewhere. Instead of looking at that friend that way, you need to look at that friend and say, how can I make a difference in that person's life today? Like that's one way. What about this? Um, instead of saying, why do you always have to be on my case about that, right? Anybody ever think that to your parents? <laughs> like, why are you always on my back about this? Jed, can you give me water? <coughs> Sorry. Listen. Yeah. Like, like, why can't you just leave me alone? Like, why, why are you always bugging me about my homework? Why are you always bugging me about my room? Why are you always bugging me about how much I'm on my phone? Why do you have to bug me about this boy or this friend or this girl? Why, why are you always on my case? Anybody? What if instead of saying that, what if for once you have the mindset that Hey, maybe you're trying to help me. Thanks. Right? Listen, that one's tough. That one's tough, especially as a teenager. Thanks for helping me. Thanks for caring about me. Like, thanks for going to work and providing for me. Right? I mean, think about this. In other words, instead of having a selfish mindset, try having a selfless, giving, loving mindset and all the other desires of your heart, they're going to take care of themselves. Listen, write this down. If you love God, if, if you seek God, the desires of your heart will handle itself. Because here's the thing, here's the thing. Because those desires will begin to align with God's plan for your life. And God always provides where he calls people. Like God's going to equip you whenever he calls you. Like God is our sanctuary for sustenance. We can find comfort in God for the things in our life. And then number three, God is our sanctuary for stability. How many of you ever get tired of depending on other people? 
right? Like how many of you um, get tired of trusting in people only for those people to let you down? And it happens all the time, man. Everywhere you go, everything you do, whether it's sports, whether it's in class, whether it's with friends, they always let you down. People just let you down every single day and you're sick and tired of it, right? They fall through every single time. You see, here's the thing. God is our only source of stability. Like friendships, they come and go because people change. Relationships, they come and go because people change, man. Like you guys are going to change so much by the time you get through high school and by the time you get through college. And like there's nothing wrong with that. The problem comes when you put all of your faith and trust in those relationships instead of God because God is the only one that can provide stability in your life. You see, but according to Scripture, God's stability is from everlasting to everlasting, right? Let's read on. What time is it? We've made it through two verses. Ten more to go. Here we go. Yeah, it should be. Verse 3. Go back to the initial one and then. You turn man back into dust and say, return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by. Whereas a watch in the night, a watch in the night means four hours. In other words, a thousand years, man. Like a thousand years on earth to you, God, is like half of a night. Verse 5, you have swept them away like a flood. They fall asleep. In the morning, they're like grass, which sprouts anew. And when it says they are falling asleep right there, it's saying, listen, they don't even care. <laughs> like It's this little bit time frame and all of eternity. And, and these human beings, these people, my friends, the people I care about, all of us, we don't care. <clears throat> Verse 6. In the morning it flourishes and sprouts anew. Toward evening it fades and withers away. For we have been consumed by your anger. And by your wrath we have been dismayed. You have placed our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days have declined in your fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. Listen. In this text right here, we see the frailty of man. Like we see how actually soft we are. We see how weak we are when it comes to the big picture of this thing. Like, like we live this minute amount of time on earth and we, we can't even give God that. Man, our lives are like an hour to God. And we can't even give that time to God because we're weak. And I love what it says right here. Look what it says in verse 8. It says, you have placed your iniquities before you, our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. In other words, what do we do with our sins? What do we Listen, I don't know uh, many of you that would just stand up here and be like, yep, hooked on pornography, that's me, right? Like, like we don't do that, <laughs> That's our sins. That's our weakness. 
We don't want people to know about it. Yeah, I'm struggling, man. I, I keep on having sex with my boyfriend and my girlfriend. And, and you know, it's, it's just what it is, Pastor Chris. I want to tell everybody because that's my sin. And we don't do that. We, what, what do we do? We keep it in the dark. We keep it private. We don't share it with anybody. We don't want anybody to know. We think if we keep it to ourselves, then, then maybe, just maybe, God won't know about it. But verse 8 right there tells us otherwise, otherwise, it says our secret sins in the light of your presence. Man, you can hide that sin all you want. You can put it in the darkest closet that you want to put it in in, in your life, in your heart. You can hide it wherever you want, but God's light will, will bring out any darkness. So here's the thing. We are so foolish to believe that we can live this life how we want to live this life and everything's all good with God as long as God doesn't see me. As long as God doesn't find it. Hey, if I can keep this from Pastor Chris, then God won't find out. See, and here's the thing. Some of us laugh about that, but... If you're completely honest, there's something in your lives that you struggle with. And you would absolutely die if Pastor Chris found out. Right? Like, think, think about the darkest sin in your life, the darkest temptation, the darkest thing that you struggle with. You can't even handle the thought of me knowing about that. And because you can hide it from me, we think we can hide it from God. And you can't. You can't. You can't keep those things from God. Listen, I've had students um, in this youth ministry, students that, that have graduated out of this youth ministry. I've been here for, for almost three years. And I've had students graduate this youth ministry and come to me and say, um, for example, a very real example, um, Pastor Chris, this person actually met me here in, in my office one Tuesday night and said, I'm struggling with smoking pot. I need your help. Like, wow. You know what kind of courage that takes? I've had, I've had a student come to me and say, Chris, I, I'm struggling with this desire to have sex with my girlfriend. Can you help me pray about that? Chris, I'm struggling with drinking alcohol. And this person's in high school, man. I had someone say, Chris, I'm struggling with pornography. Listen, and if you were to go find any of those people, I guarantee you what they would tell you is that you can go to Chris, you can go to Jed, man, you can go to Cherie, and, and, and we're going to pray for you. We're going to lift you up. We're not going to like cast you out because you struggle with something, because, because let's be completely honest, um, I've struggled with pornography before, right? And by far, the hardest thing I've ever had to let go of. I've, I've had a drinking problem before I quit drinking. Pornography was 20 times harder than drinking. Like, that's why I'm so serious about that, man. Like, like I've been there. I understand how you feel. And, and the difference between me and you is that, um, number one, 
I could be some of y'all's dad, which is strange. Man. Number two, um, I have an understanding. Listen, I have an understanding that I can't hide that thing from God. You see, and what you're going to find out as we read the last three verses of this, Moses had that understanding. Look at this, verse 9, verse 10, verse 10. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years, yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it is gone and we fly away. In other words, some of us, man, we're going to live 70 years. Some of us, you know, if you're healthy, man, you might live 80, 90 years. Some of you may not even make it that far. But your pride is so strong that you watch your life just wash away without glorifying God. Look at this, verse 11. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? In other words, we don't even get it, God. Verse 12. Listen, this is, this is the most important text right here, okay? If you've got your Bible, circle this thing, highlight it, put stars around it, uh, put unicorns, whatever makes you happy, right? Verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Listen, Carson, a couple weeks ago, he got in trouble and... Uh, and I told him, you can't, you can't play with your iPad for the rest of the day. That's what breaks his heart. You, I mean, it blow your mind how much a six-year-old can be addicted to an iPad. And later on in that day, he came to me, and he was pleading with me. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he was broke, man. He was pleading, Daddy, please let me watch my iPad. <laughs> He was like, uh, and he went back, and the thing that he got in trouble for, he said, I, I fixed it. I did it right this time, so now can I watch my iPad? I said, no, buddy. That's a good job doing it right, but, but your punishment was that you can't watch your iPad for the rest of the day. You see, here's the thing. Um, Moses, Moses right here, is is pleading God for mercy. Moses is going to God and saying, listen, God, I know you gave us a chance. I know that you gave us like one rule and we broke that rule and we ruined everything. But, but God, please, we will do this right. And here's how he proves it in verse 12. He says, so teach us to number our days. In other words, he, he's praying to God, listen, this should be our pray, er, prayer every single day to God. He's saying, God, help me to take advantage of today. God, help me to seize the moment. God, help me to make the most of every opportunity I have today. And then he says that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. God, help me to be strong and help me to live in your righteousness and in your goodness and in your mercy and in your love and in your grace so that today I can present that to somebody and that I can make a kingdom-sized impact in somebody's life. Because, because listen, here's what we want to do. We want to go to school and we want to make jokes about people because it's funny and we like to get the laughs. 
We want to go to school and, and we want to do inappropriate things with our boyfriend and girlfriend because that's the cool thing to do. Like we want to go to a party and we want to drink alcohol because we want to fit in. And Moses is telling us, he's giving us an example. We should pray every single day because, listen, you're only human. You, you can't fight this thing alone. Like, if you think you are strong enough to beat those temptations alone, I'm very sorry to tell you, you will fail. And Moses says, you, you should pray to God. You should look at God and say, say, God, help me to seize today. God, help me to live today. I'm not worried about yesterday. I'm not worried about tomorrow, God. Make the most of today so that I can glorify you and that I can show you a heart of your love. And we can do that because we know that God's going to be there every single day. See, here's the point of tonight's message is God is everlasting. His love is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. His grace is everlasting. Every aspect of the God that we read about in Scripture is everlasting. It never ends. So as we close in prayer, I want you to think about that. I want you to pray about that. When you get up tomorrow, I want you to pray about this. Say, God, help me today. God, help me to live for you today. God, help me to serve you today. Somehow, give me an opportunity to make a difference in someone's life. Everybody lock up. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this time together. God, I thank you for your word and, and the impact it makes on our lives, God. I, th I thank you for this, um, this psalm that we read tonight. God, I pray that you would just help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to understand that unlike friendships, unlike um, milk, unlike any, anything in our lives, God, there's no expiration date on your love and your grace for us. And God, that you're going to be there for us every single day, God. So I pray, Lord, that these students would see that and that they would understand that. And God, that they would reach for you in times of their life when things are scary and... and when things are uncertain in their lives, God, that they would reach for you because you're our place of comfort, God. You are our sanctuary. Lord, I pray that you would just use them, give them an opportunity, God, but I pray, the Lord, that they would be looking for that opportunity, that they would seize that moment and make a difference in someone's life, God. And I pray that you just bring us back Sunday morning for uh, Sunday school and for worship. And it's your name I pray. Amen.